0: listening to the good news in the dark world podcast join us as we study God's Word and discover Jesus on every page here's Pastor Kevin and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. What is your natural response when you receive some good news? You find out that you're pregnant, you find out that you made the team, you find out that you got the job you find out that you passed the test what is your natural response at times like that you certainly don't keep the good news to yourself you tell someone you tell others that you have received good news what we are seeing in this section <coughs> excuse me of Luke's gospel is a continual announcement of good news And we have been seeing the response that God's people have had to this good news. Last Sunday morning we saw Mary breaking forth in song. She receives news that she will give birth to the Messiah and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul praises the Lord. This morning it's Zechariah. Same guy who had just lost his voice. The same guy who the Lord made unable to speak because he didn't believe God's promise. And now his tongue has been loosed. And now that he has received this good news about the Messiah, he's going to break forth in song. By the way, before we get into the specifics of this song, isn't Zechariah a great reminder to us Of how merciful and how patient God is with us. God didn't kick, He didn't kick Zechariah to the curb when he didn't believe God's promise. When Zechariah said to Gabriel, I'm old, my wife's old, how can my old, barren wife possibly be pregnant? I don't believe it. God didn't say to Zechariah, I'm done with you. Christian, the Lord doesn't kick you to the curb when you blow it either. Think of all the times that we have failed to believe the promises of God. You think of all the times that we have failed to live out of God's promises. God keeps coming back to us over and over and over. As Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, if we are faithless, God remains faithful. So that's one of the things that we take from this chapter is that Zechariah, yeah, he didn't believe God's promises, but God didn't throw him away. God didn't say, I'm done with you. God came back to him. And now Zechariah believes the promises of God. And as a result, he is able to speak. God has given him a son, a son who will be used greatly by the Lord. And the first thing that Zechariah does is he tells others of this good news. He breaks out in song. And We want to see two things this morning in this song. First of all, God blesses his people. And then secondly, God calls his prophet. God blesses his people, that includes us. And God calls his prophet. The passage begins in verse 67. It says his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. One thing we don't want to miss in this chapter 1 of Luke is all the references to the Holy Spirit. We we might be tempted to skip over this, but we don't want to miss the central role that the Spirit of God plays in this part of Luke chapter 1. I mentioned to you last Sunday night, if you were here, that... The Holy Spirit has often been referred to as the forgotten member of the Trinity. We downplay him. We downplay his work. We downplay his ministry. But that shouldn't be the case. If you look back to verse 15 of chapter 1, if you still have your Bible open, notice that the angel says to Zechariah that his son, John the Baptist, verse 15, will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Later on, when Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? In other words, you tell me I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. How is that going to be? Look at verse 35 of chapter 1. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now look at the end of verse 41. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't miss the Spirit's activity here in Luke chapter 1. And now, verse 67 says that Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he speaks these inspired words. Look at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. The, the Greek word for blessed is eulogetos. It's the, the word from which we get our English word eulogy. The word eulogy simply means literally a good word. If you go to a funeral service and somebody gets up and gives a eulogy, they're usually getting up and saying good things about the the deceased. Here, Zechariah is going to speak well of God. He's going to give praise to God, similar to what we saw in Mary's song where, where Mary magnifies God, where she makes much of who God is and much of what God has done. Zechariah is going to praise God in this song. He's going to praise God for three things. And I I want you to see this morning that these are three things for which you can praise God. We come to church every Sunday to worship our God and to hear from his word, and we come to be instructed from his word. And even though this was sung, this song, 2,000 years ago, this is just as relevant for us today. Three things that Zechariah praises God for. First of all is redemption. Redemption. Look at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Children, that word redemption or redeemed is a very important Bible word. Do you know what that word means? Redemption or redeemed. It means very simply To set someone free through the payment of a price. God is about to send the very one who will pay the price in order to set his people free. And so Zechariah praises God for that. Now if you think about this, what was Israel looking for in a Messiah at this time? What was Israel's desire in their Messiah? They were looking for an earthly messiah. They were looking for a messiah who would save them from the Romans, who would give them earthly deliverance. But the Gospels make it clear over and over again, that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to set you free from some earthly oppressor. Jesus didn't come to give you earthly freedom. Zechariah is giving thanks here for a spiritual redemption. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to set us free from our sin. He came to set us free from the tyranny of the devil. He he came to set us free from eternal condemnation. And that is a marvelous truth that, that through faith in the finished work of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, I have been set free. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. In fact, I've done just the opposite. But I have been set free. That's why God visited his people. That's why Jesus came from the glories of heaven to the poverty of this earth to redeem us, to set us free. And now you and I can live in the joy of this salvation. As Jesus says himself in John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free from the guilt of sin. Free from the controlling power of sin. If you're a Christian, you know that there is such joy and such comfort in this truth. I don't have to fall back into the the mindset of thinking that I'm earning my way to heaven through my good works. I don't have to believe the erroneous idea that I stay in God's graces through my good works. I'm simply called to believe the gospel and to rejoice in what Jesus has done for me. I ask you this morning, can you say what Zechariah says here? Can you say from your heart of hearts, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed me. He has saved me. We have great reason this morning, no matter what we're going through in life, to give thanks for God's gift of redemption. Secondly, though, you'll also notice that Zechariah praises God for the king. Notice verse 69 and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now, children, what is a horn of salvation? Seems like an odd expression. In Bible times, horns were used as a symbol of an animal's power. You've probably heard the phrase before, uh, mess with the bull, you get the horns, right? Right? In other words, a bull is a very powerful animal, an animal you don't want to mess with. And if you do mess with that bull, there are going to be consequences. You're going to get the horns. And so horns are a symbol of power and strength. And in the Old Testament, a horn came to be seen specifically of the power of a king, point is is that, that God has raised up a mighty king from the house of David, one who has the power to redeem his people, one who has the power to rule and to reign over all things. And the good news in this, the good news is that we have a powerful king, a powerful savior. The good news is that your sins are not too great for God to forgive. Your sins are not too black for him to save you. He is the almighty Savior and King. Ultimately, Gavin Newsom and Joe Biden and other earthly leaders don't matter. They will never destroy the church. They will never separate you from the love of God. You are guarded, you are protected, you are preserved by an almighty, powerful king who rules and reigns over everything. And so Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, praises God for redemption. He praises God for King Jesus. And third, he praises God for the fulfillment of God's promises. Notice verse 70 as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from, of, old. We're talking about the Old Testament prophecies, about the coming of the Messiah. You know, a, a rather um, fascinating study is to look at all the prophecies the Old Testament contains about the Messiah. It's not limited to one book or two books of the Old Testament. Some scholars believe that the Old Testament contains over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. And and we know some of the memorable ones. There is, for example, Moses who speaks of the one who will come from Judah in Genesis 49. Uh, Moses speaks of the great prophet who will come, Deuteronomy 18. Uh, David speaks of a great king and and priest in Psalm 110. Isaiah prophesies of the one who will be born of a virgin, chapter 7. The one who was wonderful counselor, chapter 9. The one who was the suffering servant, chapter 53. Jeremiah and Zechariah both speak of the branch in, in Jeremiah 33 and Zechariah 3. Jeremiah speaks of the Lord our righteousness in Jeremiah 23. Ezekiel and, and Zechariah speak of the, the shepherd, Ezekiel 34, Zechariah 13. Daniel speaks of a king who rules over an everlasting kingdom, Daniel chapter 7. Micah speaks of a ruler who will be born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, and and we could go on and on. All of those prophecies were fulfilled in one person. Jesus Christ is the lion from the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ is the, the prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is the one born in Bethlehem. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the one who suffered in our place. Jesus is our righteousness before God. Jesus is our good shepherd. And we sit here this morning, thousands of years after that first promise in Genesis 3, and we rejoice that God kept his word. He did exactly what he said he would do. He sent Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those prophecies. And as Zechariah contemplates this, as he meditates on this, as he rejoices in the Lord's faithfulness, he, he also reminds us of the purpose for which Jesus came. Look at verse 71. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. God promised to save his people thousands of years ago. God promised to to deliver his people from death. God promised to show mercy to his people, not giving them what they deserve, but but showering salvation upon them. And now that, that great promise stretches all the way back. The very first book of the Bible is about to be fulfilled. That's why Zechariah sings. That's why we sing. This is what we celebrate this time of year. We celebrate redemption. Consider that. You've been bought with a price. We celebrate that we have a, a king, the king of kings. We celebrate that all of these prophecies, hundreds and thousands of years old, have been fulfilled in one person, I want you to notice something else here. I want you to to notice what this does to our lives. Look at verse 74. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. you see that? God has done all of this. He has redeemed you. He's kept his word. He's kept his promises. He's done all of these things so that you and I might serve him without fear. It's such a marvelous statement. God doesn't want you serving him like an abused dog. God doesn't want you serving him like a dog who's been beaten so many times that it flinches when its master just raises his hand. It's sad that there are some people who serve God that way. There are some people who, who fear that, that maybe they will fall out of God's favor if they don't stay in line. There are some people who fear that, that maybe God will say to them, I'm done with you. You're not good enough. You haven't performed well enough. That's not who God is. That's not what God desires of us. He desires that we serve him with reverence, knowing how great and majestic he is. And he also desires that we serve him with love, with gratitude for all that he's done for us, that we might serve God without fear. Isaac Watts put it so well. He he said at the end of one of his hymns, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Christian, let it be the love of God that drives you. Let it be the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God that, that fuels you to serve him. How blessed we are. And again, that doesn't discount that, that all of us have things in our lives at the moment that are difficult. It doesn't discount the, the health issues you may have, or the financial struggles, or the interpersonal relationship issues you may have. But as we gather this morning, we are reminded that we've been so blessed. God's been so faithful to us, he kept his promise. He redeemed us through his Son, who is our Savior and our King. Well, there's a second part to this song, and that is that God calls his prophet. As we come to verse 76, there is a transition in this song. You'll notice that Zechariah says, and you, child. Children, what child is Zechariah talking about? He's talking about his son. He's talking about John the Baptist. Now we notice that this is going to be a very special child. Verse 76 says that he will be a prophet. Verse 76 says also that he will prepare the way for the Messiah. Verse 77 says that he will give knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of sins. That's pretty special, right? Imagine, parents, that that your child was going to be the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. You'd be pretty proud of that child. It's pretty special. Zechariah knows something. Zechariah knows that ultimately it's not about his child. John the Baptist is is just a herald. He he kind of fades into the background. That's because John's whole ministry is not to make much of himself. John's ministry is not to say, look at who I am. God picked me to be the forerunner. His whole ministry is to say, I must decrease and he must increase. His whole ministry is to point to someone who is far greater than he is. And John himself knew this. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist says, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the Christ. I'm simply a a voice. My my calling is to point you to the one who is the Christ. Matthew chapter 3, John says, He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Don't you love that about John? I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. John reminds us, And Zechariah's song reminds us of a couple of things. First of all, it reminds us of the the humility that we are called to. Jesus said this about John the Baptist. He said, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. John was one of the great saints of, of church history. But John knew that ultimately he was nothing. Brothers and sisters, apart from Christ, we are nothing. We are nothing. And so Zechariah's song and and John's entire ministry is a reminder to us this morning to examine our own hearts for pride, something we all struggle with. Ask the Lord to root pride out of our hearts and and to pursue the, the kind of selfless, godly serving humility that John exhibited. Secondly, though, this song and and John's ministry is a reminder to us of the calling that we have to point people to Christ. Again, John's mission was not to say, look at me. Look at how great I am. Maybe you've met people before, and, and maybe we've all done this ourselves. who who right off the bat tell you how great they are and all that they've done. That was not John. John's mission was to exalt Jesus. His mission was to point people to Jesus. It's a reminder to us this morning that ultimately it's not about us. It's about Jesus. We're just a, a few weeks away from beginning, the the month of January, when we will celebrate that whole month, the 25th anniversary of this church. The gospel is why this church was started 25 years ago. It's all about Christ. It's all about his gospel. We fast forward 25 years later, and one of you was saying to me this morning, 25 years goes really quickly. It does. 25 years later, It's still the same. It's all about Christ. It's all about the gospel. And it always will be about the gospel. That's the focus of this church. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I determined to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's a great lesson we learned from John. Our calling is to fade into the background and to point people to Christ. Notice what Zechariah also says in verse 78. He says that John will come to bring the knowledge of salvation and forgiveness because of the tender mercy of our God. That's a great phrase. The tender mercy of our God. Literally The word tender means the inward parts, something that comes from deep within. God's mercy is not something that is shallow. God's mercy is not something that's half hearted. God's mercy is deep, it is profound. Zechariah says the Lord's mercy is so deep, it's so incredibly profound, that the sun rise from on high has visited us. Zechariah knew his Old Testament. He he knew that in the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, the Lord had said that the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. This is a reference to the Messiah. This is a reference to Christ, who, who called himself the light of the world. The light of the world has broken in the darkness of this world. Now, the fact of the matter is that, that light in the darkness is not always a good thing. Let's say you're sound asleep in the middle of the night, it's 2 a.m., and one of your children come into your bedroom and flip on the light switch. That's not a good time for light in the darkness. When it comes to the darkness of our sin, when it comes to the darkness of our depravity, when it comes to the darkness of our guilt, the light of God in Jesus Christ is a great cause for rejoicing. Verse 79, Zechariah says, To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You see how much God loves you? You see how much God loves you in this passage? His tender mercy is so deep that he shines his light into the blackness of our sin. And he saves us from eternal death. And notice what Zechariah also says. He gives us peace. Peace. We could say that this is peace in two senses. First of all, there is the objective peace. that comes from being right with God. We're no longer at enmity with God. We are now at peace with him. God is our loving God. Heavenly Father, that enmity has ceased. It is no more. Secondly, there is the the subjective peace that comes from knowing my sins are forgiven. I'm right with God. Christian, you know this peace, don't you? You know the subjective peace that comes from from knowing, yes, amen, my sins have been forgiven. I'm washed. I'm clean. And I have eternal life. What peace floods our souls. If you don't know that peace this morning, I urge you to run to the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to him and believe in him. And no matter the blackness, the darkness, the stain of your sin, you will be forgiven. And you will be at peace with God. And that subjective peace will flood your heart as the Holy Spirit testifies to your heart that you are the child, the forgiven child of God. Luke chapter 1 is a great chapter. Elizabeth gives thanks. Mary gives thanks. John the Baptist is in his mother's womb and he's leaping for joy. Zechariah sings a song of praise. What's your response? What's your response to the message of Christmas? What's our response to the good news that the Messiah has come? You know, we, we enjoy the, the Christmas season for any one of a number of reasons. We enjoy giving gifts to our children, to our grandchildren. We enjoy times together as, as friends and as families. But you and I both know that at its very foundation, Christmas is not about those things. It's not ultimately about a gift. It's not ultimately about a celebratory dinner or party. It's about the fulfillment of the Bible's oldest promise. The Bible's oldest promise has been fulfilled. The promise to send a Savior. Children, that's why he was given the name Jesus. Because he came to save us from our sins. Elizabeth, Mary, Zechariah even an unborn baby rejoice that the bible's oldest promise was about to be fulfilled it's been fulfilled as we sit here this morning you rejoice in that today you say god thank you you kept your word and you sent jesus Save even a wretched sinner like me from all of my sins. That's great cause for rejoicing. Let's bow in prayer. If you've been blessed by this podcast and would like to support this ministry, you can find us at www.goodnewsinadarkworld.com. Thank you for listening.